You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action talking all things Texas A&M, and today's show we're actually in a really good spot because... We have two special interviews, one with Luke Braun from Locked On Vikings and one via Chris Gordy of Locked On SEC on Dan Moore, the former Texas A&M tackle, and his experience going to the Pittsburgh Steelers. This episode of Locked On Aggies is brought to you by Built Bar, where a candy bar meets a protein bar. Go visit BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your next purchase right here at BuiltBar.com. Now, as always, make sure you're following me on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show, and I love public feedback. Anything you can do to make this a more quality-sounding podcast Monday through Friday, give me a follow, give me a shout-out, and I will add it into the mix. Secondly, Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things 12-man-related content found here on LOP. You can subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live every single day at LockedOnPodcast.com. Now, again, we're going to have Luke Braun on the show, and we're going to have Chris Gordy's interview with Dan Moore for later. But before we do any of that, I do want to talk a little bit about the upcoming NFL draft, because the reality is, is that when the NFL draft goes, it's about two weeks. People are still talking about it. The first week, we're looking ahead at the players who were just drafted. What's their role? Where do they fit? Where do they go? And where are we going to see some winners, some losers, all that stuff? And then the week after that, We start looking ahead of the 2022 NFL draft, and I started doing that last week when I talked about how there's about five players people are saying are going to go in the first round from Texas A&M, Jalen Widemeyer, DeMarvin Leal, Kenyon Green, Anaya Smith, and Isaiah Spiller. But what's getting really funny is going into next season, just how much people have opinions on different positions. Not everybody's going to really like a guy like Anaya Smith, and that's fine. Not everyone's going to see Kenyon Green as a tackle, which is going to hurt his value and make him move inside. Other people are going to say that the tight end class is weak, and the only reason why we were talking so highly about it last year was Kyle Pitts was a freak of his own, and all that's very true. But what I'm starting to see is the consensus at running back. It is Isaiah Spiller, at least from a draft perspective. Now, again, maybe it's because it's the SEC. Maybe it's because of he won't have as many carries next year, so he'll be a little bit more fresh coming out. But the argument seems to be never take a running back in the first round. But somehow, one or two, usually one, finds their way into that 20 range. Now, naturally, I am a proponent of never taking a running back in the first round. But it is something to look at. And I do think the more you're starting to see how these teams are reacting, running back in the first round is not a complete bust. It just cannot be with the team that needs, you know, if you're running back away, go for it. If you're a team that needs a tackle, uh, always go for the tackle. If you're a team that needs a quarterback and there's one available, go for the quarterback. But if you just need a running back, kind of like Pittsburgh, they need a running back. I get that pick of Najee Harris. I do. And I, I, I appreciate it and I respect it. A guy like Travis Etienne, when you have tackles on the board and you have, you know, a bunch of other needs out there, yeah, that's that's a little one where I can't get behind it. But Pro Football Network came out with their rankings for the top picks going into next season, and Isaiah Spiller was the number one player at the running back position. After coming up just short of 1,000 yards as a freshman, Isaiah Spiller crept over the line with 1,036 rushing yards. He may not have the nation's most prolific rusher in terms of total yards, 
but the Texas A&M running back ran the rock for an impressive 5.5 yards per carry. Furthermore, he added 193 yards and 9.7 yards per catch. He also found the end zone nine different times in 2020. He may not be the speediest of the top running backs in 2022 NFL draft. He has an unofficial 4-5-40, but that does not impact his ability to make big-time plays. He's elusive, strong between the tackles, and displays enough burst to get around the edge. At six foot one and 225 pounds, he's one of the more well-put-together running back prospects in the class. His size will show up on film and his ability to pick up blitz, block in the open field, and even lead the way as a fullback. I, I think what the interesting part is, just you know, you see a guy like Spiller who is going to be playing and still a running back by committee because of you do have good running backs, but he is a name that I think a lot of people are going to start recognizing as being this top-level guy. And there are a lot of good running backs going to next year's class. I mean, I look at this and I look at some of the top guys, Brees Hall from Iowa State. I mean, when you look at the numbers he put up, average 5.5 yards, 10 touchdowns, 5.8 yards per touch. I mean, like, that's amazing. Every year, he's gotten better. You also got to look at a guy that I think a lot of people forget, Sincere McCormick at UTSA. I mean, this is a kid who, if he was playing at any other school, we would be talking about him as being the Doak Walker front runner. The guy rushed for 983 yards, but he told nine touchdowns. But the year before that, he had 1,500 yards, and he added 25 receptions. You also have guys in the SEC that we're not even talking about such as Jerion Early from Ole Miss, such as, what, what's the kid's name from Kentucky? Um, uh, Chris Rodriguez from Kentucky. You also have, oh God, I'm blanking on his name too, uh, the, uh, the uh, Tank Bigsby from Auburn. You have a lot of talent in the SEC, but what seems to be sticking out is because of the running back room, number one, but also because of the value of what Texas A&M has brought with a good offensive line, you're going to trust it. I also think what's interesting is that they're all, everyone's starting to go with, well, Haynes King and Zach Calzada may be the guy. They may be the guy. They may not be. We don't know yet. But we do know that Anaya Smith is the guy. And we do know that Devon A-Chain is a burner. And we know the workhorse of the trio is going to be Isaiah Spiller. At that point, you're kind of in a good spot because you're like, all right, no matter how I look at this, my running back system is going to be good, and I'm going to have to use my running backs a ton next season. So, if Spiller ends up being the number one running back prospect on most draft boards, I'm not going to be shocked by it. Because again, when you look at a young quarterback, their two best weapons are an offensive line and a stability in a run game to where it takes the pressure off of them. All right, so... The offensive line right now, no idea what it's going to be. Absolute no idea what it's going to be. But you have a three-man set at running back with a lead guy in Spiller to get your carries. I expect AN to be a very heavy run team next year to keep the ball rolling and moving the clock. That's my, that's my prediction, just going into the next season. And if that's the case, then there's a very good shot at the same time we're seeing uh, Isaiah Spiller probably be one of the best, if not the best, consistent running back in college football next season. I don't think that's too much of an overreaction. Like, at all. I actually think that that's going to be the consensus for at least the SEC, if not the nation, going into week one of the 2021 season. 
So let's just say you want to put down money now that Isaiah Spiller will be the number one running back taken off the board, and the odds are, say, 2001. Well, you're going to get a pretty penny back, but when you go ahead and make those odds, go ahead and use the one place we love and the one place we trust. That's betonline.ag. BetOnline.ag gives you the best buyouts, the best bets, and the best value every single day. You follow them on social media at BetOnline underscore AG. Stop sitting on the sidelines and get into the action. When you use the promo code Locked On, you will receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbooks experts. Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action talking all things Texas A&M. Listen, I already said that we're going to talk a little bit about Kellen Mond. This was an interview I did with Luke Braun of Locked on Vikings. Make sure you're following him at Luke Braun NFL. This was recorded earlier this week. I want to share with you guys now. Here comes the interview. Make sure you tune in. So, Kellen Mond, probably the biggest anomaly that came into the 2021 class for at least the quarterbacks, did find a home in the NFL. And the future Aggie will have an opportunity to possibly start in the land of 10,000 lakes sooner than later, depending on the status of her cousins. Now, what does all this mean? I can only break down so much, so I brought in a very special guest to help me break down all of it and much, much more. He's the host of Locked on Vikings. Follow him on social media at Luke Braun NFL. It is Luke Braun from Locked on Vikings. Luke, how are you doing, man? Doing good. I, I had more than one person in my DMs asking me to when they pick Kellen Mond saying hey you got to go talk to Cole so I'm glad we, we got together I am glad we did too and I'm glad that I got you on now for any of our fans out there especially from the Aggie side he was the 66 overall pick and, and just from a draft perspective when you see that third round you expect big time camp you're a, at least a contributor I would say week one of their rookie season maybe not a starter but the quarterback position is a little bit different and it's a lot different when it comes to Minnesota because of it is a need, but it isn't the biggest need because you still have Kirk Cousins, who did post, I would say, at least decent numbers last year. So when you think about this battle, when you think about Kirk Cousins and his situation with the team, when they made the selection, was this a selection that they did to push Cousins or potentially to replace Cousins? I don't think they have to have an answer, I guess, is where I know. So they were really high on Kellen Mond. There were people in the Vikings organization that had Kellen Mond over Justin Fields, which actually contributed to they uh, they were in for the in on the Fields trade up conversations, but they end up getting outbid by the Bears in part because, well, Kellen Mond is still available. And there are some people that even would want would rather have Mond anyways. So I think that kind of made them a little less aggressive there. And then they end up with Mond. Um, but I think it's more, I mean, it's a QB they like, so they took a QB that they like. And and really, if he is, if they're right about that, and he turns out to be a starting quality quarterback, there's really no bad way out of that, right? Either he plays and you get rid of Cousins and now you're cheaper at the position and all that stuff, or you trade him or, you know, there's a lot of great ways to kind of capitalize on that. So I, I think, what I think is... Um, it's up to Kellen Mond if Kellen Mond plays in this particular situation because I think the Vikings would be perfectly comfortable if Mond doesn't come along and he doesn't end up, you know, kind of getting it at the NFL level like so many quarterbacks drafted at that position don't. Um, then, you know, then he's their backup for four years and he goes off and he finds a backup gig somewhere or he competes to start with someone else's rookie or something. Kind of takes that same, you know, that Ryan Mallett, that uh, Charlie Fry to get a really old one in there, that kind of trajectory. And so for an article that I'm uh, that's going up sometime this week, uh, I actually went through every quarterback drafted between 50 to 75. Um, and yeah, they all kind of are either backups or they like compete. They're Mike Glennon kind of guys. So if that's him, 
he's not taking Kirk Cousins' job, right? The Vikings won't. That Cousins is better than Mike Lennon, right? And so if he's Mike Lennon, they're not going to switch to that just to get cheaper. If he's better than that, then he takes Kirk Cousins' job. The Vikings won't have any issue with that, especially because they can get better and cheaper. But better is a lot more important. So he has to be better than Kirk Cousins. That's how he gets on the field. But what I like about this is that you kind of brought this up. We talk about these quarterbacks, and it's always funny to me how, like, 43, Jimmy Garoppolo, very successful. And then you go, like, 142, like like Dak Prescott, very successful. But that, like, middle range, that's 50 to 70 to 90 kind of range, never find that success level. But it kind of works for a guy like Kellen because of there was so much to like about him in college, but there was so much also that you nobody really got to see and part of it was because of personnel, part of it was because of his offense. But, you know, what's really interesting is that I'm not sure Minnesota gets that option without moving back from that pick 14 to get that 66 overall pick because of there was, a, you know, the Houston Texans. They were very much interested. Washington was very mm-hmm. much interested. So you didn't also have to get anything. So you had that extra third round pick to kind of play with. You got to be able to go, well, listen, he's on our board. He's a little bit higher. We think that he could be better than Justin Fields and we get him for a much more bargain value if he can play i think that it was a great move and i actually said on the podcast washington chicago and minnesota were the three teams i thought mom was going to be good at but the one thing that mon got really successful at last season was playing behind an offensive line and minnesota's offensive line they're still an anomaly right now because we don't know if they're going to be good. We don't know if they're going to be good. <laughs> That's a nice like, way to put it. Like, I mean, seriously, like, I love Christian Derrisson. I thought that he was a fantastic player. I thought I was a lot higher in him than a lot of other people. But I also love the value of Wyatt Davis. So those are two players that are probably going to come in, hopefully take the spot at right guard and left tackle, respectively. But when you look at the offensive line, do you think that those moves, not just for Cousins or Mondes, but for anyone in that backfield, so that includes Dalvin Cook and the running backs, does building that offensive line provide more stability for whoever's under center or whoever's in that backfield? Yeah, totally. I mean, there's kind of two ways if you want to take a very like measured kind of numerical analysis to it. You know, there's the 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 EPA, the production, however you want to measure production, but there's the production you lose because of pressure. And then there's the production you lose because of how much worse your quarterback goes from when he's pressured to when he's unpressured. So for Cousins, he's like below average in this particular, if you take his you know, pressured EPA per play versus his unpressured EPA per play, that gap is larger than you want it for Cousins. And with Mons, somebody with a little more mobility, it kind of gives you a better floor. So that can kind of mitigate the problem on its own right. But yeah, adding two people who, why Davis could definitely start, Christian Derrissaw could definitely start. There are guys that they're going to have to compete with as it always goes. Um, But yeah, getting a a better line, of course, is going to help. And I think depending on who that is, it could help you even more and kind of be a, a, a bigger help. And I, I, it remains to be seen with Kellen Mond how he kind of responds to pressure in the NFL. But with Cousins, at least, yeah, that kind of extra stability, a little extra time for things to develop, and crucially for Cousins, fewer improvisational situations uh, is a, a major, major boon. This episode of Locked on Aggies is brought to you by Built Bar, where a candy bar meets a protein bar. Listen, we've already known the code. There's 18 flavors, but every flavor is a different jam-packed punch, but they still have the same nutritious value because they're covered in 100% real chocolate and they're soft and easy to chew. 
The bars are great for anybody who's on the keto diet because they're low in sugar, low in calories, high in protein, high in fiber, and great to help you lose or maintain weight. Literally at the start of the year, I lost eight pounds because I started my day off with a peanut butter protein bar. And it has 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, five grams of sugars, five grams of net carbs. There's not a product like this out on the shelves. When you go visit BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15, you will save 15% off your very next purchase. Stop eating the salty sweets and enjoy a treat that will meet your needs. Built Bar from BuiltBar.com. Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action talking all things Texas A&M. 25 minutes, that's all it's going to take. Peter Bukowski and the Locked On Today crew to get you through everything you need to know what's going on in the realm of sports. Now, this is not just college football, and this is not just NFL. This is everything. The top news coming out of college sports will be taught by Peter Bukowski every single day, and you can get caught up in 30 minutes or less. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast listening systems, including the Odyssey app. So I know that I was going to say that we were going to have Chris Gordy on the show, but due to time constraints and how long I forgot this interview went with Luke, we will have that on tomorrow. But instead, we're going to go ahead and finish this interview with Luke Braun right now. But I do think that what, like, what is very interesting is that in this final season in College Station, I mean, A&M's offensive line allowed four total sacks. And the craziest thing of all was they didn't give them up to like the big names, like the like the Auburns, the Alabamas. It was two against Vanderbilt, one against Mississippi State, and one against, I think it was Tennessee. And those were like the teams that got the sacks. So like they played very well against strong defensive front sevens. And that really helped with Mon's progression. But what hurt his progression, I think going into this year that probably made him that third round pick was the lack of depth at wide receiver. And I don't think enough people are getting enough credit for that. You know, this is a senior who's playing with freshmen and sophomore, really, as his receivers. He's not really working with guys that he's been there because you have Jamon Osmond opting out literally a week before the start of the season. You have Kendrick Rogers, Courtney Davis going to the NFL. You have your number two tight end in Baylor Cup going injured. And you don't really know what your run game is because of you had to move Anaya Smith from the slot receiver to the backfield as your quality oh, number wow. two. So you're taking out a guy. But in Minnesota, you might have one, if not the best one-two combination statistically in the NFL with the emergence of second year player in Justin Jefferson and mm-hmm. the more consistent Adam Thielen. But when you look at those two and what their roles are, you know, Jefferson, a, a very good slot target, someone who keeps the balls moving, great reception guy, high ratio guy. And then you have kind of a do it all player like Thielen. When you look at that and you look at also third year pro in Irv Smith Jr. If Mon was asked to start, with the knowledge they have of – because, again, it's Clint Kubiak now who's the, who's the OC. Right. So Gary, with Clint now being the OC, very similar system, do you think that if Mon can pick it up, you're going to see that same type of production you did see from a guy like Cousins with these receivers? Because, again, there was so many moments where you caught where, you know, Kirk was throwing the ball and you could hear Justin go, come on, Kirk, and you don't want to say <laughs> Yeah, that happened. Yeah, that one was really funny, that – particular rep because uh, Justin Jefferson was right Kirk Cousins like didn't uh he missed the he missed like a wide open read um but yeah I I think it depends I I, this is going to be the lamest answer it depends on how good Kellen Mond is right um but it will be entirely up to him as you're kind of alluding to right I think the offensive line hopefully it'll be at least good enough to not be an excuse right it'll be at least good enough to to you know everybody else gets by on their merits and the offensive line exists as it exists 
Um, but yeah, with with Thielen and Jefferson, who I, Jefferson uh, is not a slot guy anymore. He he actually was outside a ton in Minnesota. They did it different than at LSU. Um, so they're both kind of do it all guys. Now you have Dalvin Cook, who is a, not only a great uh, runner who can help with that aspect of the game, but a great outlet receiver too. You know that is a check down that is always there. Um, if if things go go haywire, I think I'm a lot higher on Irv Smith than a lot of Vikings fans are. Um, I think he's going to get his day in the sun this year, and it's going to be awesome. So I, I I do like the skill core for the most part. They're they're kind of missing that fifth guy, but you know it's they, they, he's got weapons, and hopefully the protection will be there at least long enough. Um, and it is kind of a matter of, well, now how long is he holding the ball? Does he invite his own pressure? Does he try to, you know, does he break clean pockets and ruin otherwise good blocks and invite pressure that way and stuff like that? Um, and, you know, will he be able to go through his progressions in a safer way? And I guess this is a, a more Kellen Mond-centric question, but can he dial down those tight window risky throws? Those are going to get killed in the NFL, but that's very much a Kellen Mond thing. He is coming to a situation where he gets to sink or swim on his own merits, and I think as a college player, that's kind of all you can ask for. Yeah, I mean, when you really think about it, the system that is run in Minnesota, I think is going to work very well for him. But at the same time, it gives him an opportunity for him to show all the intangibles that he had in college maybe didn't work because of the system that was built around him. Now you're going to a much more cleaner system that I think is also built to your style of play. The other thing, real fast, and I'll let you go off this, you look at Minnesota's defense, and the one thing A&M had was a top-10 defense. They were fantastic in 2020. Minnesota's is, I mean, we're, you're hopeful that they, they can figure some things out. You're hopeful that some of these guys stay a little bit more healthy, and you're hopeful that guys like Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks, you know, Daniel Hunter are on the field. But when you look at the defense and it comes down to where they improve this season, do you think that there is a room for improvement? Because of, I think Mon can do enough to get by in his rookie year, but I don't know if he can be that game changer to where if the defense is not having a good game, he's going to be able to pull him out. Right. You know, can he consistently score on every drive if it's one of those shootout kind of games? Um, and that was something that Kirk Cousins had to do in 2020 because the defense was such a disaster. For my money, they've fixed the defense. They had a huge problem up front. Um, they get Michael Pierce back from the op from the COVID opt-out. They get Dalvin Tomlinson in there. Uh, they were the only team to give up a 100-yard game to Ezekiel Elliott in 2020. They gave up six touchdowns on Christmas to Alvin Kamara. I mean, it was embarrassing run defense. That has been shored up a lot with the return of Kendrick's return of Barr, the return of Michael Pierce, the addition of Dalvin Tomlinson, the like guy after guy after guy, Daniel Hunter. Um, bring that front back and those the defensive tackles that they played Jamar Stefan and Jaleel Johnson were soft I, I call them Charmin ultra soft um you know it's it, they got blown off the ball all the time and anybody could kind of run so they could get an eight yard run all the time you didn't even have to pass the, the Saints I think on that Christmas day game they put up like a 50 burger and they ran they they passed the ball like 19 times like it was yeah. embarrassing yeah I remember um, that, that was crazy it, it was awful um yeah. so that's I would say for my money has been fixed just by a regret. Even if one or two of those guys does get injured again, you still have at least a, some semblance of a team and you're not sending out the fourth quarter preseason squad. Um, 
the secondary, I think there's some question marks because there's also a lot of new players, but there's guys like Cameron Dantzler at Mississippi State who really, really came on in the back half of, of 2020, played unbelievable football. And so hopefully you see a second-year jump from him. Hopefully you can see a little bit. We'll see what they try to get out of Patrick Peterson, who, of course, you know, he's on the tail end, but um, we'll see what they ask him to do, how much they task him with. And then, you know, you have Harrison Smith and Xavier Woods to entrenched kind of good veterans um uh, on the back and uh, the defense i think has it's it's tough to look at the guy that teams are gonna pick on um except maybe whoever starts at edge rusher opposite daniel hunter but it's i think it's a solid unit i don't think if kellen mond ends up starting let's say cousins gets injured or something i don't think he's gonna have to score 40 a game to win games Guys, make sure you're following Luke Braun on Locked On Vikings and at Luke Braun NFL. He does great inside work for the Vikings. You're going to want to make sure that you keep in touch with him because of we know that Kellen Mond eventually is going to get his shot to start, and hopefully it's sooner rather than later. That's going to do for this edition of Locked On Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked On Aggies. On tomorrow's show, we'll be breaking down more stuff heading into the offseason. And the biggest thing I'm going to look at is the quarterback position in general in the SEC. How does Haynes King or Zach Calzada really affect the overall outlook for Texas A&M? We'll see you tomorrow. And remember, give me all. This has been Locked On Aggies. Presented by the Locked On Podcast Network.